You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. to another new episode of Bite Size Britain and in today's episode I get to take you back to not only one of my favourite parts, uh, one of my favourite places of, um, of, of Britain but back to one of my favourite time periods in British history as well and uh, growing up I had a lot of childhood memories of Portsmouth in particular um, my dad moved down there when I was seven so you know we would have you know trips down to see him and uh, and it's, 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 I've got memories of uh, you know there's a play centre there we used to go to there was a swimming pool the P- Portsmouth Pyramids if anyone listening to this remembers that at all uh, fond memories are there but there is one place in particular in Portsmouth that really does hold dear to me and that is of course the Portsmouth Historic Dockyard. Um, there's too much to really talk about in one episode, so I I will probably be been doing a few different ones centered around um, the historic dockyard in Portsmouth. But this is it's it's the one place I think in Britain where it, it exhibits one of the most fascinating parts of British history which is the naval history and it is obviously naturally the the headquarters of the um, of the Royal Navy and it's a place where you'll find the Museum of the Royal Navy not only that but you can you can connect to history firsthand by stepping aboard some of the most famous warships in, in British history namely HMS Victory obviously the um, the flagship of Admiral Nelson in the Battle of Trafalgar. Um, you, you can you can go aboard there. You can learn more about the the history of of the victory's part in the Battle of Trafalgar. You got HMS Warrior, the first ironclad warship of its kind. Um, but I think the the one part of the historic dockyard which really has almost, I'd say, haunted me since childhood for one reason or another is the Mary Rose. Um, it's, uh, you may or may not know the history of of uh, Henry VIII's flagship, the Mary Rose. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background on it, um, but the Mary Rose Museum at the historic dockyard in Portsmouth is one place anyone who listens to this anyone who would who, who who would spare me a few moments at any point for me to indulge them in this I would always recommend you go to um, I I remember seeing the um, the display of the Mary Rose back when I was in school and um, before I delve too much into the history of it um, it was 
it was during the early days really somewhat sort of the first decade or so after it was after part of it had been raised and on display and I just remember really chilling haunting kind of feeling just staring at this these skeletal remains of this Tudor warship um, and I hadn't visited it since then it's probably about 25 years now at least maybe even more maybe sort of 30 years since I was last there and I went there a few weeks ago um, with my little boy and I relived that I've seen what they've done with it how much more there is to see it's just that real feeling of I don't know it's just eerie but anyway for those who may or may not know the history of the the Mary Rose we take you back to Tudor England the reign of Henry VIII and in 1545 uh, Britain was facing the invasion from France uh, one of many um, attempts during during that period of time and seemingly Britain was under seemingly insurmountable odds as around 200 um, ships from the French fleet had um, had gathered off the coast of the Isle of Wight and they were opposed by only around 80 ships that Henry VIII had amassed in his navy at the time so odds were against her but the, obviously you know the Mary Rose was the uh, as I said the flagship there leading the charge against the French on that day in 1545 and um, the Mary Rose left um, through the Solent she was off the coast of South Sea and she led the charge towards the French and then she turned port side to to launch to further her her, her attack the ship listed um, and very quickly sank to the bottom of the Solent and all of this was in full view of Henry VIII and you know he was he was he, he launching this defense of his land out of one of his most important ports that he had with his what had been the most important part of his Royal Navy for about 35 years when she'd been in service the Mary Rose was meant to be I think the one that would lead the Brits to victory and very quickly it all turned to complete horror as he watched her sink um, of the 500 or so souls on board only 35 survived so a massive loss to the navy um they they managed to the, uh, britain managed to stave off the attack of the french despite the loss of the mary rose um but many have said that this really was um, something that henry the eighth never actually recovered from fully was the loss of this ship that was the first the mary rose was the first ship that he commissioned to be built when he um, uh, when he uh, ascended to the throne I think he was about 17, 18 years old um, so right at the beginning of his reign he, he decided he wanted um, ships to be built for him and this was the first one and it was it was obviously his favourite um, the, the, the strongest one there's been many uh, many theories about why the Mary Rose sank that day who was to blame more importantly there's been some fascinating documentaries recently trying to get to the bottom so to speak of, of the sinking of the Mary Rose 
and, and tried to find that pivotal point um, to explain what happened. And many theories have have come about that of one that actually I, I see as one of the more sort of feasible ones is I think in a few years or even months prior to this point in history at 1545 Henry VIII had ordered uh, the Mary Rose to be uh, refitted with extra guns so you had the additional weight of these massive bronze cannons he was putting you know even more on board obviously with that they had to cut in more um, more portholes gun ports and it is said that as the Mary Rose turned to uh, to then you know face the um, the French fleet to then start firing again um, it was it was a combination of the added weight and the additional open gun ports that you know soon she started to list that's why she went down so quickly is because all these additional gun port windows were open and the water flooded in and uh, I yeah I mean there's so many other um, ideas about what happened but that to me is one that that you know could well ring true um, there were attempts shortly after the disaster to raise the Mary Rose from the uh, from the seabed um, I believe on one of the early attempts the masts actually were uh, in that attempt the masts were broken and they were, they were snapped off and then they abandoned uh, soon, you know, at some point soon after they did abandon attempts to raise the Mary Rose and um, she would remain on the seabed of the, the Solent for uh, a few centuries then there were other attempts in the 19th century there were um, artefacts that were found and raised from her um, but they were quickly sold on I think this is back in the 19th century when they actually did you know, manage to go down and find some, some things like cannons and, and things like that but they were quickly sold on and it wasn't really until um, 1971 so after three years of surveying a certain site of the Solent, uh, a diver called Percy Archibald actually helped to uncover some of the port frames of what they then believed could be the Mary Rose. And then subsequently in 1979, the Mary Rose Trust was formed with its main goal being to raise the ship and its contents to preserve what we could of this massive part of our history and learn from it as well which is one thing that I think is is most important from all this and uh, 1982 um, after a few years of surveying the site um, it was one of the the biggest underwater archaeological projects uh, known at that time and it culminated in 1982 when they were actually able to raise the hull what remained of the hull of the Mary Rose for the first time in 437 years and it was actually broadcast on BBC TV and I think about 60 million people if I'm right uh, tuned in to watch the the live coverage of the the raising of the Mary Rose um, the 
the remains of the hull were then transported in this massive crane cradle thing uh, they were transported to a dry dock in Portsmouth Historic Dockyard where it remains today and it went through a lot of a lot of years of um, preservation and they actually constructed the the museum as it stands and has stood for for a number of years has actually been constructed over the dry dock that Mary Rose was taken to back in 1982 on that day it was raised um, and this is where it brings me to my earliest memories of the Mary Rose when we actually went there on a school trip this was in the early days of the museum as it was I think this was probably about 1992 I was in junior school at the time so probably about 10 years or so and I just remember it resembled this massive hangar like warehouse sort of thing we were stood up up on like a mezzanine floor with these audio paddles to our ear where it, it doing this like audio tour where it told you about I can't remember anything about it you know what it actually said um, but you'd look down on this like I say this very skeletal remain of this ship and it had the sprayers on the the chemical that they sprayed it for for so many years to try and you know help preserve it so when I returned uh, only a few weeks ago 2021 after all this time I actually went back there I was absolutely amazed by what the museum looks like and what it, it, it how how it feels now. Um, obviously, my memory from my school days is only very scattered anyway. But really, I mean, they finally in 2013 um, they they got to the stage where they were actually able to turn the the sprayers off. So for the first time in all those years, um, it. Um, it, it didn't need to be sprayed with this chemical anymore and they allowed it then period of drying out so that today you can go and view it much of the museum um, is centered around viewing the ship through a glass wall but you go through three floors of um, fascinating artifacts you got the ship on one side this you know separated just between you know, between yourselves by this this glass wall and as you walk th past the wreck of the ship on the other side you've got all these artifacts in position in the same sort of position where they were found so you you get to see the ship and you get to see all the all the things 19,000 objects they've managed to um, to pull up from from the site and the wreck to date and many of which are on display in the museum and you you just you you sort of i felt you you really do live it as you walk through it you see what was recovered from the ship where it was you, they've got um some displays of some of the people that they some of the skeletons that they found of of obviously the some of the people who lost their lives on the wreck the day it went down and they they're trying to piece together their histories as to who they were and it is it is fascinating doesn't really sum it up I don't think it's if it's if you're like me you go to somewhere like that you get a feeling and it's it's something like I said I, I, I used it at the top of the show the phrase it haunted me it really has I think the the image of the wreck of the ship that I saw when I was a kid and then going back and seeing it I mean it's awe-inspiring it's it's phenomenal seeing this piece of history 
and knowing that this is part of the ship that went out to fight the French that day, commanded by Henry VIII. It's one of my favourite um, times of British history was Tudor England. And uh, so, yeah, so, so in 2016, they closed the museum, as it was then, for nine months to allow the the wreck to um, to dry out so that now you can actually go up and view it from the top um, the top level of the museum you can actually there is no glass wall now separating you you can actually look down for the first time onto the onto the ship you know without anything in between it's truly truly sensational so that's just one part of the the dockyard but it's one that really does still sit with me today and somewhere I will go back to again I'm sure um, I don't think you can really take everything in in one trip there but uh, yeah yeah pivotal point in British history and one that you can still go back and relive and it's one that is still raising more questions I think than they're answering about our history which is, I, I think makes it all the more special <laughs> Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.